0: Okay, this morning, God would have us to think this thought and uh, really have it to enter into every single area of our life. God is always in the activity of his nature, and that is love. Love is the activity of God's nature. It's not only who he is, but it's the activity of his nature. And having placed his son in us, in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, we do have this treasure, the greatest treasure that the father could ever give, and that's what love does, it gives, has given us his son, and he dwells within us and wants to find a home, a place to rest within us in Colossians 3, verse 16. So God, and his love, and every single circumstance and situation of our life is seeking in a very gentle and a very, very compassionate, loving way to penetrate into our thinking the very reality of who he is and his unbelievable love for us. And the reason is, is because every single thing that God is and every single thing that God has done And every single thing that God is doing is a result of who he is. That's why we can rest. That's why even when we fail, we have a place to go to because love always makes a way, always does. It's always full of grace and truth in John 1 verse 14. That gives me in every circumstance and situation in my life, the opportunity. I have an option, and God forbid that we should take any other option, but I have the option to hide in my sin, to hide in failure, to hide in rejection, or to hide in him, and to hide in him and his beautiful, precious love for us. And so that's our opportunity. This morning, when we consider that every single thing that God does, every single thing that He is, if we were to describe a miracle, if we were to describe that, it would be God. Sometimes we're waiting for God to do some extraordinary thing that we so deeply desire. And we have within us. Just think about it. With everything else that's going on in this world, even with all of our our pains and, and our sorrows and all those things that we experience, just think that there are a few precious people where God's Son, the very God who has always been, that first cause dwells in us. God dwells in us. What a miracle. I looked up that word miracle today. I just happened to take a a dictionary that I have and I just wanted to look up the word miracle. And this is what it is. Because as I began to think about some of these things, I thought about, you know, God, wow, what a miracle you are. And what a miracle that you dwell in me. What a miracle that we have, God, the Father, God, the Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and God, the Holy Spirit, our teacher, our power source, to experience every single thing that we have is a miracle. They are a miracle. Here's what the dictionary says that a miracle is. Just an ordinary dictionary. Not the special 1840-something dictionary of Daniel Webster, which was the original. And has become watered down. But even in the watered down dictionary, this is what a miracle says. A miracle is an event in the physical world that surpasses all known human or natural powers and is ascribed to a divine or supernatural cause. See, everything that God is everything that he has done and accomplished on our behalf through Christ and everything that God the Holy Spirit that is working within us all has to do with the first cause. The first cause is God himself and God in 1 John 4, 8 and 16 God is love and every single thing that he does is a result or an effect of that love. Everything. How much more for us that are in his son? How very, very much more is it for us? And what a thing to consider this morning. But the reality of this is this, and we've made this statement before, But as I've said before, it bears repeating that you and I will never know how weak we are until we know how strong we are in Christ. We will never know how strong we are in the strength of Christ until we know how weak we are in ourselves. He who is love, God is love. He will do what he has done for us. And what he has done for us, he will continue to do in us. He has a lot to do. But what he does is what? From the place wherein he dwells, in Isaiah 57, verse 15, he inhabits eternity. He inhabits it. (laughs) Let's try and fathom and think about that. God, who is love, inhabits eternity. And here... He sends his son, and that is an unbelievable miracle. That God would become a man because he so loved us. That God would become a man because he so wanted to identify with us. That God would become a man so that he would identify with us in every single thing that we pass through. We said recently, too, He knows what it's like in all the stages of humanity. Whatever the stages of humanity are, in terms of any kind of thought or feeling, he has passed through. It's been said, yes, he is a man of sorrows. And we read recently in in a beautiful letter how his sorrows that he had are none like any of us. So he knows sorrow. He knows pain. Perfect love that brings grace and truth into our circumstance and situations knows what what pain is, what sorrow is, what rejection is, what misunderstanding is. In perfect love, perfect love, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, put on humanity And now we can taste Psalm 34, verse 8. We can taste him and see he's good. He's good for us in our sorrow. He's good for us in our bright days. He's good for us in our pain. He's good for us in our rejection and misunderstanding. He's not only good, but he is above it all. Love is above it all. That's why it's the greatest In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, the greatest of those is what? Is love. And I just want to say very clearly that he who is love, the greatest demonstration of it, Christ in humanity on the cross, to God for us, dwells within us. Dwells within us. We don't have to wait a second for any need to be fulfilled. Philippians 4, verse 19, My God, who is love, has and will supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And by the way, he meets it in the most personal way because Jesus Christ dwells in us with a love that has been perfected and completed about us in 1 John 4, verse 18, in an intimate way and will meet every single thing that we go through in the most intimate, personal way, because it just so happens he dwells within us. The answer to every single thing in our life is Jesus Christ, and he dwells within us. He dwells right within us. He is our Passover lamb. He passed over. God could pass over everything because he dealt with it in Jesus Christ. So God in his love, through the power of the Holy Spirit, God the Father gave his Son. The Son gave himself to the Father and both gave themselves to us and it's revealed to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And there is incredible power. We said last night at Richie's that God has not given us the spirit of fear. No, he has not. There is no fear in love in 1st John 4:18 So God has not given us the spirit of fear but of what power power and love and a very well sound disciplined mind that even knows how to think through pain because it has someone who's gone ahead of them and been through it in a way that that's greater than we could ever imagine but not too much that he can't be one with us in our sorrow and our pain and, our, and even in failure. He understands it because he dealt with it, though. And he doesn't know us after our failures. As a matter of fact, we can't even call them ours, can we? If they're dealt with. He's dealt with them. So here's what Christ, Christ came a miracle. A miracle came, Christ himself. And what did he do? He was presenting God to us and he is continually in his unbelievable and in a love that's high above everything is presenting God to us under three aspects. And I want to tell you, this is the first one. That God the Father's, and Christ is presenting this to us. That God the Father in his perfect righteousness struck the Son. The substitute that was for us. Oh, boy. Do you want to know? Is God for me? Is God who is love? Is he in his love for me? Well, God the Father, in his love for us, struck his son for us. Struck his son for us. Number two. Christ is presenting... God to us in His love that provides the Lamb for us. Number three, His glory that has raised Him up when all was clear and dealt with for us. Oh boy, this is the activity of the nature of God, which is love. And that love shines out in a light that rejects all corruption. And when we receive the light of God's word through Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that love that shines out to us with a light that's so pure rejects anything that's not of that love that is so for us. There is, in those three things that we said, there is entire deliverance. We've been delivered. We don't have to wait to be. We are delivered because deliverance comes through death on the cross. And in his death, we're delivered. In his life, we live in a love. That's above everything. We are in Christ before God. Very interesting. We are in Christ for God. How do we see ourselves? How do we see others? The greatest expression of divine hatred of sin is found in His cross. The stroke of judgment fell upon him. The thunder and the lightning that was present in Exodus the 19th chapter. Thank God is all exhausted. It's over. There is no more thunder, there is no more lightning, there is no more darkness because love through Jesus Christ has cleared the way. The stroke has been delivered. The sky is calm and pure for those that believe, for those that believe. So the gospel of Christ, and that's what we have, the gospel of Christ, or in other words, the gospel of the love of God through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, is the gospel that has perfectly met man's nature the nature that was totally opposite his. It's met his condition. So listen, whatever our condition is, God, through Christ, has met it. He's met that condition. And the character, everything about our character, is brand new in him. That's why it says in 1 John 1, 7, Walk in the light. Walk in who you are in Christ as He is in the light, which means as He is the light that is within us. (laughs) Because the blood of His Son cleansed us from all sin, from anything that could separate me from Him and Him from me. That's what love has accomplished. But when I don't know these things, and when they are comparatively little known or experienced, and even less proclaimed or preached, then there are numerous doubts, fears, unsettled questions, which will begin to fill our hearts, our minds, and it will begin to perplex our conscience. And it's doing that against those that are His. All because they do not know the love of God in them, in Christ who dwells in them, who dwells in them. And thank God he is waiting. He is waiting in Isaiah 30, verse 18, to be gracious. Love is waiting to express itself through grace so that we operate in the light of the truth of a love that has elevated us above everything. There isn't anything. The wicked one in 1 John 5, 18 touches us not. The whole world system, those outside of Christ, lie in the lap of the wicked one. But you and I, he can't touch. He cannot touch who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us. He can project lies. He can project doubt and fear and unsettled questionings to get us so that we're not stable or resting in our thinking. But the wicked one, truthfully, truthfully, he cannot touch us. He can't touch us. So draw near to him, and when we do, he draws near to us. And what a beautiful thing! What a, an amazing truth! that that is. What's the greatest love? What's the greatest experience of experiencing the greatest love? It's receiving His personal, intimate, imparted love for you and I. And either the, that's the truth. The truth is, the simple gospel is that God... So loved us that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him, trust in him with all their heart, would not perish in their own thinking, in their own circumstances, in their situations. They would never have to perish, but experience a life that's eternal and in its manifestation of a love that's above everything. Above every single thing, so it's either the simple gospel, or it's law and legalism mixed with my experience. It's either Christ, or it's either that. It can't be one with the other. It can never be that. But you know, God's love has made a way, and we've said before that love is is the greatest. Why is love the greatest? There are faith, hope, and love, it says. But the greatest of these is what? It's love. It's who God is. Why? Because what is so great about love? It produces faith and hope. Without understanding, without experiencing his love for us, there can be no production of faith and hope. And that's why it's the greatest. Thank God that we have the privilege this morning to be able, through free will, to submit to the initiations of who God is, the initiations of love. He's always seeking ways to penetrate the most incredible love, but he does it gently. The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword in Hebrews 4.12. It pierces to the dividing asunder of soul, that self-consciousness, self trying to figure things out from the spirit, God consciousness, God who has it all dealt with. He's in total control. I mean, these things, if they're not true, Then is love not true? Is God not true? We said before too that God so wants to penetrate every single area in our life of what love on behalf of us has completed itself about so that we will be totally free to experience what love has accomplished about us personally. Personally, why? Because the experience and truth of love is the only true freedom that there is. I am not free outside of who God is. His unbelievable love for us. I will be restless. I will be restless. One of the things that we said too recently when we were doing a study of David, and I wanted to get into this in a very, very deep way because there's so much truth that's involved in the story of David's life that we can glean from in our position in Christ. Listen, the only way we can glean anything from the Old Testament in its type is to glean it in our position in Christ and experience everything that he has accomplished on our behalf. But one of the things that that David did, and it can be very, and we said this the other night, it can be very characteristic of the self-life that's in us, is we forget God. We can forget him. Okay? So when we forget God, what do we forget him? God is love. That's who he is. God is love. Again, every single thing that God is and every single thing that God does is a result. It is an effect of the first cause of who he is, love. God has to bring us to a place where he wants to communicate his incredible love for us. And that's what it means to get before him in prayer. God wants to communicate the intensity of his love for us and intimacy and a relationship of prayer. So, because what is prayer? Prayer is always going to teach me that there's something I can't do and I have to go to God. And when I go to him, would he give a child a stone when they want bread? Would he give them a snake when they desired fish? When we desire something from him that only he can meet, will he not give it to us? Yes, it takes timing. And we've said again many, many times, God's timing is as important as his provision. You know, God has to make us ready to receive what he has for us in the accomplishment of his love for us. He has to wait in Isaiah 30, verse 18. There's so much in us that in his love he's so patient to remove so many things that we're attached to that keep us from receiving what love has accomplished and what love is for us in our own experience. So prayer, God gives us prayer. And what is prayer? It means absolute humility. It means that I can't do anything. I can't do anything about what I need. There's not a single thing that I can do. It speaks of unbelievable dependence. Prayer is a beautiful declaration to the self-life that I am helpless and hopeless outside of drawing near to God, outside of giving my will over to Him. For Him, To work in me what has already been accomplished by his love that is above everything that I'm facing. It's above every thought, every word that's outside of him. So he has to bring us to that place where we finally are on our knees before him in a helpless and hopeless state. Just, and he brings us there just so he can love us and grace us out with truth. You know, in circumstances and situations, we can even have our back towards God and in pain, rejecting him, in self-occupation, rejecting him, or we can face him. We don't want our backs towards towards God And that was one of the characteristics of David. And it can be a characteristic in us. Look at what God did for David. All based upon God's choice. He based everything that he did for David on his own love for David. And that love wasn't even waiting to be loved by David. It simply chose him. That should be a beautiful place for us to rest. We have the second David, (laughs) who was before the first David, way before him, to set him up in the ways that God had for him. But that characteristic of David could be that he would forget God. We said that the other night. And great would be the evils and miseries that result from forgetting God in self-will. Self-will. Self will. We said this too the other night, and it does bear understanding in the light of God's love that we're that He is revealing to us this morning. To leave out God through rejection, through doubt, through fear. fear is to bring confusion into all our reasoning, to all our reasoning, and it becomes a disruption of the peace that is ours in Christ remember we said that love always makes a way and love is always waiting to be gracious and God who is love always has made a way for us to return even when our backs are toward him like the prodigal the prodigal had his back towards his father but the whole time His father was facing him. Waiting to be gracious. He was waiting to be gracious. That's what love is doing. Love is not waiting to reject us. Love that is waiting to be gracious has dealt with all rejection. (laughs) It's dealt with every single bit of it. And he's lifted us up above everything. That's what love does. And love has dealt with every single thing that could cause us to be restless. Love has dealt with everything that could expose us to unrest. And that's why when we understand and experience the love of God, and again, we said this again the other night, that the person who doubts, the believer who doubts as he prays, is just simply the one who hasn't wholeheartedly given himself to God, hasn't given him the problem hasn't given him the misunderstanding, the rejection, the pain, the self-occupation, the self-occupation. What does prayer do? And why has God given it to us? He's given it to us because that's the place that we can go to God. The place that is always available for us to go to God is the place of helplessness and hopelessness and self. That gives us the place to go to him, to go to the throne, to go and face God through Jesus Christ. We can face God, but only through Jesus Christ to put on humanity. We can face him and he wants nothing but us for us always to face him because his face is always towards us face of unbelievable love where the purity of the light of love shines out towards us at all times at all times no matter what our condition is no matter what our thought life is he's there wholeheartedly to give himself to us to give himself to us to pray we have the high priest who can be touched by the feeling of all our infirmities because he was in all points tested like we in all points tested like we yet he did not have a sin nature he didn't have anything in him that would hinder him and when we go to him and receive from him we receive from him something that nothing can hinder and that's his perfect love That's his perfect grace. That's his perfect truth. And we go to the throne, it says. We have to come boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy, tender, compassionate, understanding, beautiful, intimate love right when we need it. And it comes right in the nick of time. We can go there. And he wants us to go. And he wants us to go, and we said again this the other night too, but he wants us to go where love rules. That's where he wants us to go. It's a throne of grace. It's high and lifted up in Jeremiah 17, verse 12. It's high and lifted up above everything. It's high and lifted up. That's where he wants us to go, where love rules over depression, over oppression, over misunderstanding, over pain, in the midst of sorrow, love will rule with you and I. Love rules. It will become the governing factor. And we may have sorrow, but it's a sorrow that will never be regretted when love rules and when love is the governing factor. And And we would close with this and God would ask us all this question. Just as he's asked me. What does God do with what you and I bring to him? What does love do? When we truly bring it to him in a trusting, obedient love. What does he do with it? What would you do to your child? in its helpless, hopeless condition, when they would come to you, even if they failed and they came to you, what would you do? How much more would he do? How much more would God who was loved do? What does he do with what you and I would bring him? What do we do with what we keep and don't bring to him? All he's asking us is to bring to him in our experience, what he's already dealt with in our position in Christ. And he just wants to remove it remove the doubt, remove the fear, remove the questioning of self, the questioning of God pertaining to our life. He wants to remove it and bring in a settled peace. And when I don't bring it to him, and I keep it, what happens when I bring it to others? (laughs) What can they do with it? Will they understand me like he does? Would they love me like he does? No. But I can sure receive his love for me. And that love for me will even be above everything. It'll even be above everything the one that couldn't do anything for me. It'll place me in a place above that so that that love that fills me can be so occupied with him that I can love them. Love. What a divine affection to be able to be loved. (laughs) To be so secure and so strong in a love that will never fail us. You know, there's no excuse. Love has removed every excuse for us drawing near. If you don't believe it, the parable of the prodigal, who is on his way back in his rags, in in total rags, and wants to get out his confession And can't even get it out. It's interrupted by the father who is loving kissing his neck. Which speaks of the will that was used to, to get into the rags. And all he's doing is affectionately kissing him. Because love is kind. It's very kind. And sometimes the faithfulness of love is resented instead of being accepted. Because of self-occupation. Because of self-will. But does it change love? Malachi 3, six: I am the Lord thy God. Your God. I change not. I do not change. I will never change my mind about my love for you. Because my son came to deal with anything and remove everything and settle everything that would interfere with that love that lifts us up above everything. Love is waiting. Jesus is waiting. And we said before, He's on the shore. And while we're out struggling in the dark, sometimes in our thoughts, sometimes in not understanding things. And while we're out there, away from him, struggling, trying to do it on our own, trying to perform, he's on the shore preparing a meal. That's what love does. Love prepares a way. Love prepares a meal. And Jesus is there. And he's standing, waiting for us. Yes, he's seated on the throne, but in his heart, he's standing in his heart, interceding for us till we come back to him so that he can love us and wrap his arms around us and and let us know that he has everything in his control. So, Father, we thank you. We just praise you, Lord. Thank you for what you have accomplished. Thank you that you and your love has crushed the head of Satan. Thank you that you and your love have, have done that. Thank you for finishing every single thing. Thank you, God, that herein is love. Not that we loved you, but that you loved us and sent your son to be the propitiation for our sins. Because love there simply means that there's no source of that love in a created being. It's of God if God were not the unending source and power in that love not a soul could be saved not one of us could walk in his love because love knows how to bring out all the resources of grace and we can't make as we said again last night there's not an adjustment that we can make apart from grace love operating through grace and setting us free. So thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen.